Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. So today, uh, we are going to talk about uh, one of the core values of, of our church, right? Here's the thing, right? Whenever you start a brand new church, you're starting from the ground up. And you really have to, you know, or, or whenever you're starting a church or, when, or whenever you're starting a company or anything like that, you have to establish what is going to be important to you. And whenever we were thinking about as a church, what do we want our church to be known by? What principles do we want to, to govern our church by? Uh, we prayed about it, and the first core value that we came up with, that we said we want our church to be known and live, and live by and governed by this principle, it was this. It's not about us. Mission trumps preference every time. Now, John, why would you say that this is the first core value that, that you felt is important when starting a brand new church or starting a church in general? Well, I think we all know we live in a culture of preference. We can see it by how many choices we have. I'm, I'm, I mean, here's the thing, right? You have companies that, that are trying to get your time, attention, and finances, so they're doing whatever they have to do to play to your preferences so they can get business, right? So, so pretty much what you are is you are a consumer. So you are trying to find the best deals that, that you will get the most bang for your buck, right? You are trying to find, honest, honestly, what fits you the best. So honestly, and kind of how our culture is training us and how we subconsciously act is we are trying to find the best deal. We're trying to find something that is, you know, honestly, somewhat easiest for us that adds the most value to us but requires the least amount of sacrifice or investment, we are looking for the best deal. If you don't believe me, look at these couple social avenues that we find this in. Think about dating. People are trying to find, most of the time when people date, they're trying to find the best deal. Like who will accept me just as I am but fits all of what I want? but they must accept me for who I am. But I need to find someone that fits these core preferences, right? Because you've got preferences, right? You have got what you want. Think about working out. I've used this example often, where honestly, whenever we're trying to transform many times our body, working out, eating right, and stuff like that, we want to do the least amount of work but get the best, but, but get the best return. So they came out with this thing called the ab belt. Only the United States would make this. Where while you're on your couch eating potato chips and drinking Pepsi, you can throw on a belt that will, well, that will electronically shock your abs to move. So then while you're filling your stomach with chips and Pepsi, you are also having your abs worked. That sounds like the United States. right? Where, where we want to try to find that we want to do the least amount of work but get the best return, right? So we have a culture that is playing and building you and training you to be a person of preference and your choice matters 
above all. So we've got that. That is what our culture is telling us. Well, what happens when you have a church where here's the, the church is called to do what? To be on mission. The church, whenever Jesus came, he said this about himself. I came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus, the final, one of the final things Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, he said this, go into all the world and make disciples. Find people and help them become followers of Jesus. So we, we've got a church that honestly, the call of the church is, 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 is to go and be the hands, the feet, the representation of Jesus to the world, which honestly many times requires us to live lives of faithfulness, of commitment and sacrifice that honestly many times requires us to do what is difficult, that doesn't add value to us, instead to add value to others. And it's built on sacrifice where here's the thing, right? We don't, you know what? The church isn't called to find the best deal. The church is called to say, how can we help as many people as possible follow Jesus? So here's the thing, you have a culture that says your preference matters above most. It's about you. And then you have a church whose mission is built on sacrifice and commitment and faithfulness. So what happens when you take what culture is telling you and what the church is called to and put them together? Do you know what you have? Church shopping. Where people then say, oh, okay, well, you know what? Um, I, you know, they say this, and I totally get it, and I don't think people have this particular motive when they say this. Like, I'm church shopping. I'm trying to find a church that's right for me. And here's the thing. I don't think that that's bad, because here's the thing, right? Like, I know, you know, you want to find a church that fits your, your style, your certain kind of worship music and preacher. Apparently, you like stuttering preachers if, if you're here. You know what I'm saying? Like, like worship, you know, worship music. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, is this the kids ministry good? Do they have good coffee? Do they not have good coffee? Do, 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 do they serve Krispy Kremes? Or they do not serve Krispy Kremes? Do they have a parking team? Do they, do they not have a a parking team. Do they have nice lights? Do they not have nice lights? Right? Like, here's the thing, right? We are trained that when we go into a church, we're, we're kind of like, is this, does this fit my preferences? And I believe this is a, a byproduct of what our culture is teaching us and training us of, of, of saying it's about you. But, but here's the thing, y'all. The church was never created just to be something else we consume. The church was never created just to be something else that we say doesn't fit our preferences. And then here's the thing, guys. Like I said, I know church shopping. I know what, what we actually mean by that most of the time. But we've got to be careful in our culture that we don't make the church out to be something that is simply there to serve us. That is simply there to fill our needs. Because the church's mission is to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And like I said, most time it's built on faithfulness, commitment, and sacrifice and the exact opposite of what the culture is teaching and training us and feeding us to be. So here's the thing, right? What I've heard a pastor's job is, is a couple things. First off is to comfort the afflicted and to, and to afflict the comfortable. Comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Where honestly, some, some, some of you here are broken and hurting, and you need God's comfort in your life. Because you are broken, hurting, lost, and you need God to comfort you. And we want to provide that. I want to do that. We have an incredible team here that wants to do that for you. But at the same time, some of you here are so 
uncomfortable that God almost needs to afflict you to get you to wake up and see you have a purpose and calling as a follower of Christ, right? And honestly, today, I pray that I do both of those things. I pray today that some of you that are broken, hurting, lost, I pray that today you'd come home and you'd find your hope and purpose in Jesus. Some of you today have been Christians your whole life, but have been wondrously aiming without, without purpose, finding everything that is wrong with the church, instead of saying, how can I fit into the church? Instead of saying, what can the church give me? It's saying, how can I serve the church and, and help the church be what its ultimate purpose and vision is, which is to be the hands and feet and response of God in our generation at this time in this city. So no matter what side you're, you're on, I pray today that, here's the thing, my challenge for us today is to be a church that is focused on the mission of God and what he has for us and what he has for you individually and corporately. Now, I just want to give you a quick test just to how you know whether you're on the preference side or mission side. A person of preference says this, my will be done. Mission people say, thy will be done. Now, here's the thing, right? This, these whole things here, these don't just apply to the church. These apply to what, 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 whatever area of life you are in, marriage, business, whatever. M- marriage, if you say it's about your preference and you say, my will be done, instead of saying, God, your, your will be done, we can all see how, how these play out. Here's the thing. A preference person will say, my will be done. A person of mission will say, God, thy will be done. Next, a person of mission will say, what can I offer the church? A person of preference will say, what can the church offer me? A person of mission gets us out of our comfort zones. A person of preference says, "Uh, I'm going to stay in my comfort zone. Next, the person of preference is, it's all about you. The mission is it's all about them. Where, where do you fall? If you were to answer those honest, honest, if you were to answer those honestly, where do you feel like you fit? Where do you feel like your particular mindset and, and heart is right now? Not, not, not just in your purpose, but your purpose within God's church. And today, my prayer is that one of the core values that God birthed in us from the very beginning, that we would be a church that is focused on purpose and God's ultimate mission, that we'd be a church that is unified and together and saying we want to be a church that is focused on God's mission in this world and not consumed with our personal preferences. The first thing's this. A church focused on mission always has room for more. A church focused on mission always has room for more. The greatest example of somebody putting mission over preference is Jesus. Where we see Jesus, when he, was, when he was in the garden, about to die on the cross for sins he did not commit, but you committed. And he was sitting before his father and he said, God, if there's some other way, can you please find it and let someone else do it? But he said, not my will, thy will be done. Jesus did not make it about him Self. He said, it's not about me, it is about them. Jesus had a great seat at the right hand of his father, but left the comfort of being near his father and came and left his heaven to enter into our hell. 
and he did it because he loves you. He did it because he did not want to sit there and wait for you to come to him. He sought after you. So here's the thing. The greatest example of somebody that put their personal preferences aside to focus on the purpose that he ultimately had was Jesus. Jesus is the example. And here's the thing, right? This first point that a a church focused on mission always has room for more. We're going to go Luke chapter 14, verses 16 through 23. This is a parable that Jesus said. I'm going to read it together. It says, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just have bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still someone else said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. What, what we see here is God's heart for people, that God's, God's invitation is open to all. Aren't you glad that God, didn't, God doesn't tight cast who can follow him? God doesn't, God doesn't tight cast, well, this kind of person, this kind of person. No, he says the invitation is open to all. His table is open to everybody. He says, come and feast on me. Here's the thing, we're going to use this table really quick, sort of, sort of, of as an example of God's church. If we, were co- if we were completely honest, and we would look at stats right now, we would say the church in many ways is losing. 80% of church's stats say are, are, are declining or plateaued. And really, honestly, if we could have a couple, you know, I'm going to have someone come and help me. Christina, come on, come on up. You're invited to the table. What's up, brother? What's your name? Skip. Skip, come on up, Skip. I love that name. Skip, come on, come on, Skip. Skip to this table. And I'll go ahead and have a seat at the table, table, man. You guys can go ahead and hang out, right? Honestly, if we were completely honest, this is the way most churches look. A lot of room. And they're trying to get people to show up. You know, like just, you know, just, just, just trying. I mean, it's not like the invitation's not open, but honestly, many, many ways, there's a lot of room open at this table, right? And you have some... Some churches like this that are, that are just trying to get people to actually show up and come to the table, right? And, 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 but, the, but the thing is, honestly, how a lot of churches get this way, and I'm not picking on, I'm, I'm just saying what I have seen is that many times they place their personal preferences over the, church, the church's ultimate mission. Because honestly, what you see churches get into this, well, I like this kind of music. I like hymns. Contemporary. I like Hillsong. I like Hosanna. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just like, it can, it can get, well, I, you know, I like longer sermons. I like expository sermons. I like these sermons. I like those sermons. And these, the church is talking about stuff that people out there don't care about. They're fighting over stuff that in the light of, of eternity doesn't mean a daggone thing. They're fighting over stuff that they care about that feeds their personal preferences. 
And instead of them, them saying, hey, we should probably be thinking about how, who's out there and how can we reach them, instead of saying, well, how can we have the right music? Their, their, their decisions and choices are based on what their preference is, instead of saying, what do, what do we have to like, honestly do to leave here and go out and get some more people and bring them to the table? See, but at the same time, this is what I've, I've seen too. The church starts growing. Come on up here, Mimi. You go, you go and come on up. I invite you to the table. My, my beautiful wife, she's wearing a Jaguar jersey. She's definitely welcome to the table, baby. You're never more beautiful than when you wear Jaguar colors. Mr. Mr. Knapp, this is a church for all people, and you have a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey on. So you say you can go ahead and come on up. This is your representation, Alvin, okay? All right, you go ahead and come on up, right? Uh, you can sit at the head of the table, buddy. There you go, right? So you, you can come hang out at the table. And, you know, here's a, here's a, here's a, here's a thing, right? Um, you know, I think, actually, I think we need one more, one more person, right? So let's, let's see here. Let's see. Who want, does anyone want to come and sit? Any, any, anybody want to? Come on up here, Packer fan. I don't know what. <laughs> I'm sorry, Clay Matthews. The first off, I don't know what Green Bay did. But Green Bay has more fans in our church than anybody. Like, it's sickening. Like, what happened? What's up, bro? How you been? What'd you say? <sighs> We're a church for everybody, man. That's, that's what we say. No matter who you are, you're welcome here. Right? Honestly, and, and they're saying, this is what the church wants. It's kind of like, like the, the church is nice, and everyone's got their own spot. Everyone's got their own nice little spot, and it's all cordial, and it's, and it's, and it's talking, and you're nice and comfortable, and you've got your own little spot, and things are great, and, you know, you know it's, it's, it's nice and comfortable. And church is like this, too, because the table, you know, looks somewhat full. Table's, table's full. But, but then you start to get... Sorry, y'all going to have to move a little bit. <laughs> you know what? Is, is, is there anyone else who wants to come to the table? Come on. Clay, somebody came in. and, and Someone came in in front of you, but you can come down here now. So, you, you know what I'm saying? Then the church starts. <laughs> let's say, so then we kind of see the church starts to grow a little bit. But, but, but now, look, now, here's the, here's the thing. It's not as comfortable because now you don't got your own spot no more. Now it starts to get... Uh, a tad bit tight and then you're like there's someone sitting in my seat <laughs> yo I'll never forget this a few weeks back me it's, it's amazing how you just gravitate towards the same seat isn't, isn't it like you just walk in like a robot you're just like because <laughs> some of y'all sit in the same seats every Sunday and you probably don't even know why it's you it's autopilot taking over right that's what happens. I'm telling you, we are people of autopilot. We just do the same thing over and over and over. So I've tried to somewhat consciously not do that because I'll always gravitate towards that seat right, right there. So there were times that I'll go and sit in different seats. And I remember a couple, uh, a couple weeks back, I went and sat over there. And this woman walked in. I'm, if, if you're here today, I, lo I love you. I'm not joking on you. I'm just using you as an example. Thank you. Anyway, she walks in. And I guess I was sitting in her seat. And she walks in. She goes, Hey, Pastor, how you doing? <laughs> it was like, she was like, oh, it's the Pastor, how you doing? <laughs> but, but it's like, here's the, here's the thing, right? Like, see, 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 
the, you know, churches, they are full of people too. Or no, I'm, I'm saying when, whenever the table is empty, empty, the church is empty, people are like, please come in, please come in. People are full of personal are full of personal preferences then, but then also too, whenever you get to this point where it's, it's like, it's full, but then it starts getting a little uncomfortable. Then, then people, they start saying stuff like, well, I don't know you, I don't know everybody now. I don't, I think that's Jesus calling. You might want to answer that. Tell him to help me with this sermon. Um, <laughs> I'm saying that you can kind of get into this whole, well, now it's getting a little full in here. I don't have that seat in between us now. You know, we're like someone sat in my seat and, and, and then we start saying stuff like, well, this church is getting a little too big. I'm not noticed. No one sees, sees, sees you know, no one sees me no more. And really, here's the thing. I like, I get the fact, but I don't know, don't know why people always bash big churches. Like, are you the church size judge in heaven? that tells God how big his church needs and should be? Like, are you going to be the, like, are, I mean, could it be that your heart is too small for what God's doing? Could it just be your heart is, 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 is too small and it's out of your personal preference? So you're bashing something that isn't your preference? Because God's heart, like this said, is to have a full table. His, op- his open invitation is to all, and he wants his table full. And here's the thing, as a church, as we are a church that is mission-focused and not preference-focused, we have always got to have room. We always got to have an open seat. The, do you know what, honestly, some people might even, even say, you can have my seat. You can have my seat. Why? Because the church's purpose isn't our preference. It is God's house and God's table being full. Here's the, here's the thing, right? I pray that we will always think about and we will always put first the mission of the church, which is a spot for people. But here's the thing to you. Finding your spot and finding your purpose in this plan is, is each of our jobs. And that's why the church works together to see these seats filled. To, to, to say, you know what, I'll serve, I'll give, I'll, in, I'll invite whatever to see God's house full. Thank you, guys. Y'all can have a seat. Give him a hand. Thank you, guys. At God's table, y'all, there's always room f- for more. But I pray that in our hearts there would always be room for more in our hearts with this church, that we would always say, God, our heart is open to what you want to do. Secondly, a church focused on mission has movement. Has movement. In Luke chapter 15, 1 through 2, it says this about Jesus. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The Pharisees could not understand if this guy Jesus was God in the flesh, like the very heart of God, like the very physical representation of who God was, why in the heck is he eating with sinners? They could not get it. Jesus exemplifies the very heart of God. And God's heart, what Jesus got bashed for more than anything wasn't what he did, but with the people he hung with. 
Why? Because his heart, he said many times, isn't to get the righteous saved. They're good. My heart is for those that are lost. The, the sick don't, excuse me, the well don't need a doctor. It's the sick. And what, what, I, and what I'm, I'm, I'm saying is it's incredible that sinners were attracted to Jesus. If we're called to be the body of Christ and the physical representation of who Jesus is, I believe sinners, people that don't know God, should be attracted to this place. They should be intrigued. They could be like, how could these people be so happy? How could these people be so generous? How could these people be so hopeful? How could these people be so nice and kind? Jesus intrigued people. I believe the church should intrigue people. It should confuse them. Just be like, what is going on? But the thing is this, right? What we see Jesus, he's, he's sitting with these, these Pharisees that don't understand why he's eating with sinners. And then he goes into a parable that most of us know, that we've typically known it as the parable of the prodigal son, where we know it's the parable of that son that just goes off and does crazy stuff. And we're going through, through, to actually walk through this parable together. But through it, Jesus told this parable. Why? To share what his heart was and what his purpose was. And here's the thing. I believe as Jesus was sharing his heart, he's sharing his heart for how the church should be. This is what it says here. We're going to follow along. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. Everyone say two. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, here's the thing. In this culture. You didn't get your share of the estate until your father was dead. So what this son is actually telling his, his father, I wish you were dead. He was telling him, I wish you were dead so I can have what you can, so I can have what is mine right now. And I'm going to actually live like you are dead. So give me my stuff. It says this here, it says not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything there, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Have you ever been there? Where you said, God, I'm good, I'm going to go do my thing? And you had a season of wild living. That was called your 20s, your early 20s, your college years. Or maybe that's you right now, where you are out there and you are just living wildly, living rebelliously, self-destructing, knowing you are on a path, but you're hurt, you're broken, and you are, you are out of control. And I'm telling you, your path, your destination, living like that is the exact same destination this younger son ended up in, in a famine. And I just don't believe it was a physical famine of where he didn't have food. It was a famine of his soul where he realized it doesn't matter what you fill your life with. You have a God-shaped gap in your heart that can and only will be satisfied by God himself. And he realized that he tried, he left himself no pleasure undone, no delight undone. But he eventually realized that, man, I hit a point where I am desperate, where I'm at this point. I've tried everything and I'm not satisfied and, and fulfilled. And he went back to a point where he was now eating what pigs ate. 
Have you ever been so down and out? You say to yourself, self, how in the heck did I get in this spot? It continues on. It says, when he came to his senses, you ever been there? Smelled the smelling salt? What am I doing? It says, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? Here I am starving to death. I will set out, go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against you, against heaven, against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. I love when it says, when the son was a long way off, the father saw him, noticed him, and then ran after him and said, I mean, I'm just, have you ever, parents, have you ever lost your kids? At Bush Gardens or something? <laughs> Been there, done that. We had that happen when Jackson was three. Literally seven minutes of pure hell and torture and horror. And he was playing with ducks. <laughs> but the terror you feel as your child is lost, the passion you search for, your child, your lost child, but then when you find him, the, don't ever do that again! But excitement of finding your lost son or your lost daughter. The same passion is, 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 is it says when he saw him, he didn't wait for the son to come up and start groveling. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry, dad. It says he saw him when he was a long way off. God sees you when you are a long way off. And some of you today, you might say you are a long way off. And I'm letting you know, God sees you. And today he's running after you saying, I want you to come back home. I know you're eating wood, pigs eat right now. I know you are in a desperate place, a horrible place. But today I'm saying, I see you. I'm running after you. And I'm going to run to you. And I'm going to put my arms around you. And then it says this, whenever he saw me, put his arms. And he said, yo, servant, give him the best robe. Put a nice ring on him. Hey, kill that cow. DJ, hit the music. <laughs> We're partying. We're going to have a party because this lost son of mine has now come home. And my prayer is that as a church, that we would have a heart to celebrate what the father celebrates. And that is lost people coming home. Lost people coming home. That is the Father's heart. And Jesus was telling us this parable to let him know his heart for people. That's the thing. Jesus doesn't just wait for people to find him. While you are running from God, God is running towards you. And, and today, I hope you feel that. If you are here today running from God, I pray you would know that God is right behind you running after you. He loves you. And this is the gospel. The, he, when we give God our worst, he gives us his best. He said, get the best robe, the best calf, the best sandals, the best Jordans. Put them on his feet. And he celebrates 
lost people coming home. I pray that we would be a church that always celebrates. Y'all, next week we're going to be having people being baptized. I want us to freaking party and get excited. I want us as a church family to go and celebrate each other. My prayer is that every one of us will be out there at the baptismal tank celebrating and cheering on our brothers and sisters that are publicly declaring their faith in Jesus. We need to be a church that celebrates and says, God, thank you for what you're doing. But see, here's the thing. This isn't a parable about one son. It's a parable about two sons. And what we see here in 25 through 32 is this second son. It says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called on one of his servants and asked, hey, what, what, what's going on? Well, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back sound and safe. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, and, you've never, and I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father, said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. What we see in this story is two ways we miss the mark with God. Rebellion or religion. The younger son was flat-out rebellious. God, forget you. I'm going to do my own thing. Father, I want you dead. Give me my stuff. The older son missed the mark because he had he was in the father's house yet didn't have the father's heart he said i've been slaving for you so his heart in his father's house was i'm doing this because i have to and so many people live that way in following god like i have to do this so i don't go to hell i have to do this and they're in the Father's house, but they don't have the Father's heart. And they're trying to earn their way to God by doing good things. But you can do the right things for the wrong reasons. And God sees your heart. And what I want to say to, to you today, if you are that person that's trying so hard to earn the approval of God, you already have the approval of God because of what Jesus did for you. And just put your faith and trust in what Jesus did. So here's the thing. Your good works come not from trying to earn something from God, but, it, but, it, but they happen because of your love for God. And it comes from a pure heart saying, I get to do this. I don't have to do this to try to earn a status from God. I get to do this because I am now a child of God. So here's the thing. I pray today you would be free. If you are here and you are out just running your own thing, doing your own thing, acting crazy, buck wild, you need to come home. If you are in the Father's house today and you're trying to earn the approval of God, my prayer is that you'd come back and get and know the love of the Father. That you don't have to earn anything. You can just be. Here's the thing, guys. The Father wants you home. Home isn't a place. It's a person. It's Jesus. And Jesus wants you home. I pray that we would be a church that celebrates the lost coming home, that would celebrate what God celebrates. Last, lastly, a church focused on mission invites. What do, I, what, do, what do I mean by this? Well, does anyone know here how Peter met Jesus? 
Okay, good. No one. Perfect. So now I can set it up for you. I want to give you some context here. You know, we all know Peter, and Peter, Peter's resume is insane. I mean, Jesus, you know, Peter, he was the guy that said, Jesus, I'll never, I will never disown you, bro. <laughs> Jesus, I got you, bro. I got you. And then when Jesus gets arrested, a little servant, a little girl comes up to him, aren't you, Peter? Bleep no. <laughs> and he cowers, curses the little girl, two other times denies him. And then it says Peter went away and wept. And in John chapter 21, you actually see Peter going back to go fishing. He left his calling because of his shame. And Jesus had to go and restore him. He's like, Peter, you're all good, brother. I love you. I still love you, bro. I still believe in you. When I said I'm going to build the church on you, I meant that. And then what we see in Acts 2 is that Peter, the first, the first one that had the greatest fear, stands up and has the greatest courage and preaches the first sermon in the history of the church, and thousands of people respond and give their lives to Christ. This Peter. But not many of us know how Peter actually met Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 41 and 42, the context here, Andrew was Peter's brother, and he met Jesus first. Andrew did. And then it says this. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon, Peter, and tell him, yo, we found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And then it says he brought, he being Andrew, brought him, him being Peter, he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him, him being Peter, and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated to Peter. Do you know the greatest, one of the greatest influencers and the person that God built his church on, it happened because somebody invited him. Somebody invited, but just didn't invite, but brought him. I wonder how many of your friends and family are Peters in waiting, waiting for you to bring them whether it's the church or to Jesus, but to introduce him to Jesus. Because honestly, I believe your friends and your family that you are not just put on this planet to suck oxygen, live 60 years and be gone. God has put you in your specific family. God has put you in your specific workplace. God has put you in your specific social context that you are in to be the hands and feet of Jesus so you can bring as many people as possible to him. And I want you to know today that there's power in invitation. And a church that is on mission says, hey, you need to come and see this whole Jesus thing. You need to see what Jesus has done. But what I have found, what, what motivated and Andrew to bring his brother was the life change he experienced in his own life. I have found a church struggles with, in, with inviting people when they have not themselves experienced the true nature of the gospel. Because here's the thing, found people find people found people find people you know when you experience some good food and you want people to know about it I had that Popeye's chicken sandwich Woo! Chick-fil-A ain't got nothing on that right when we experience something like we here's what I'm trying to say I pray that we would have a heart as a church that says we're going to put our preferences aside and focus on the mission of the church which we have been rescued to be rescuers 
that we would have a white hot passion. Because I'm telling you all, when we are consumed with our personal preferences, churches die because they, they turn inward. And what's the carpet color? What's this? What's the, the world doesn't care. That's right. They don't care about our carpet color. They don't care. I mean, we got to start making the main thing the main thing. And as a church, we will say our main thing will always be putting our preferences aside to see as many tables and people fill God's table that we possibly can. And it's going to be built on sacrifice, commitment, and faithfulness, and not the preference culture that our culture is trying to feed you and, 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 and shape you into. And I pray that we would be a church and people that would always say, God, I'll set aside my preference to see your mission and vision for the church happen. But it's going to happen when you have experienced that or re-experienced that feeling of being rescued. When you, Scripture says, when you were dead in your sins, he saved you, not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ did. And I believe revival begins when we realize the depth of our, of, of our depravity and the goodness of God's grace. And we find our joy, hope, and security and foundation on that. It then motivates us to not sit in the church, but to go outside of the church and be the hands, feet, and representation of Jesus. Thank you again for joining us on the LifeHouse Newport News podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.